Let us go before the Lord in prayer and ask for permission to talk about his son. Heavenly Father, Lord, we come before your holy throne this afternoon to worship your holy name, to honor you, to thank you for your son, Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior, for who he is and what he has done to complete the salvation of his people and to bring them holy and blameless before you. We thank you, Lord, for the words that we have already had, wonderful words about the preeminence of Christ. And Lord, I just pray that you would give us the understanding of Christ and who he is and what he actually accomplished. For this message is needful for your people to hear. So Lord, help us by your spirit. We pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. I've just been called to do the benediction since Brother Scott already is done with the preaching. So I'm just going to do the benediction and we can go have dinner. <laughs> it's good to be here and to come and share the gospel of God's free and sovereign grace. What a wonderful opportunity that the Lord has given us to hear the gospel and to bring and gather his people together, that they may hear about their Savior, Jesus Christ, and what he did to save them from sin. Our teaching today is going to be from the book of Matthew, chapter 27. Matthew, chapter 27. And we are going to be working our teaching from verses 11 to 26. Matthew 27, verses 11 to 26. And Matthew records for us and says, Now Jesus stood before the governor, and the governor questioned him, saying, Are you the king of the Jews? And Jesus said to him, It is as you say. And while he was being accused by the chief priests and elders, he did not answer. Then Pilate said to him, do you not hear how many things they testify against you? And he did not answer him with regard to even a single charge. So the governor was quite amazed. Now at the feast, the governor was accustomed to release for the people any one prisoner whom they wanted. At that time, they were holding a notorious prisoner called Barabbas. So when the people gathered together, Pilate said to them, whom do you want me to release for you, Barabbas or Jesus who is called Christ? For he knew that because of envy they had handed him over. While he was sitting on the judgment seat, his wife sent him a message saying, Have nothing to do with that righteous man, for last night I suffered greatly in a dream because of him. But the chief priests and the elders persuaded the crowds, to ask for Barabbas and to put Jesus to death. But the governor said to them, Which of the two do you want me to release for you? And they said, Barabbas. Pilate said to them, Then what shall I do with Jesus who is called Christ? They all said, Crucify him. And he said, Why? What evil has he done? But they kept shouting all the more, saying, Crucify him. Verse 24. 
when Pilate saw that he was accomplishing nothing, but rather that a riot was starting, he took water and washed his hands in front of the crowd, saying, I am innocent of this man's blood. See to that yourselves. And all the people said, His blood shall be on us and on our children. Then he released Barabbas for them, but after having Jesus caged, he handed him over to be crucified. That's the word of the Lord recorded for us from Matthew 27 of that account, but I just wanted you also to hear what Luke says in Luke chapter 23, verses 18 to 21. This is what Luke says. But they cried out all together, saying, Away with this man and release for us Barabbas. He was one who had been thrown into prison for an insurrection made in the city and for murder. Pilate, wanting to release Jesus, addressed them again, but they kept on calling out, saying, Crucify him, crucify him. For those who love titles like myself, I have titled this message, Away with this man, give us Barabbas. And an alternative title is, The Offense of the Cross. The Offense of the Cross. Pray for me that the Lord would grant me the ability to put the offense of the cross back into the cross by the preaching of this message and be praying for yourselves also that you may be able to hear it. When I was going to Hawaii a few days, maybe a week and a half ago, I was reading through the book of Luke and as I was reading about the resurrection or after the resurrection of the Lord and the Lord had appeared to his disciples and the disciples had failed to recognize him, he showed them his nail-scarred hands. That's about Luke chapter 24. Sorry, Luke 24, verses 39, 40, and 41. The Lord appears to his disciples, and they failed to identify him. And he showed them his nail-scarred hands, and feet. He showed them his nail scarred hands and feet, on which account they recognized him and they were joyful. And the understanding that I got from that picture was that the lost people will recognize him only if they see his nail scarred hands and feet, which means the true proclamation of the gospel shows to Christ's people his nail-scarred hands and feet. Otherwise, they cannot and will not recognize him. So any gospel message that does not show the nail-scarred hands of Christ and his feet is not the gospel because the nail-scarred hands of Christ are the ultimate representation of his work of obedience. And everything that is the good news about the gospel flows from that reality. 
And so a gospel that does not show the nails and feet of Christ is no gospel. It serves no one. A Jesus who is just an example and a good teacher has no pierced feet and hands and so does not serve anyone and cannot serve anyone. A Jesus who can be chosen is a Jesus who can be lost and who gets high blood pressure because he fails or he may fail to save all those that the Father gave to him to save. And that is not the Jesus that I have come to preach and teach and that is not the Jesus that I have believed upon. Let us hear this afternoon about the true Jesus of the Bible. The Passover is approaching, the feast of the Passover is approaching and this is an annual feast. An annual feast that happens only once a year in the month of Nisan. And Jesus has to die because he came to die. For this very purpose, he was born of a woman. And according to Apostle Paul in Galatians 4 verses 4 and 5, Apostle Paul records and says, But when the fullness of the time came, God sent forth his son, born of a woman, born under the law, so that he might redeem those who were under the law, that we might receive the adoption as sons. Jesus is the Lamb of God that takes away the sin of the world, and that is according to John the Baptist. And a lamb did not take away sin by being petted in a pet zoo, or just by being admired for his cuteness. A pet did not remove sin by his cuteness and people coming to him and saying, Oh, he is so cute. He must be able to take away my sin. No, that is not the formula of salvation. A lamb took away sin by dying and not by petting. And so Jesus has to die, and in dying, he has to fulfill the feast of the Passover because he is the Passover lamb. And the time has come that the Son of Man should be glorified. And he is going to be glorified by dying on the cross. And so God is moving and has been moving heaven and earth that his son may be raised up on the cross. The chief priests, the rulers, the Jews, Pilate, Herod, are in the plot of things to raise the son of God on the cross. Judas is in the plot of things. The devil is in the plot of things. And Jesus puts the morsel of bread into Judas' mouth because the time has come. Listen to John 13 verses 26 and 27 and this is on the occasion that John the apostle has, had asked who it was who was going to betray the Lord. And John records for us and says, Jesus then answered, that is the one for whom I shall dip the morsel and give it to him. 
So when he had dipped the morsel, he took and gave it to Judas, the son of Simon Iscariot. After the morsel, Satan then entered into him. Therefore Jesus said to him, What you do, do quickly. What you do, do quickly. And this is a command. The devil is waiting because he knows that he is getting one of the disciples. The devil is not in North America. The devil is not in Africa at this point. The devil is right there where Jesus was right at the time that the devil was supposed to be there. He knows that he has to bruise the heel of the seed of the woman because of Genesis 3.15. And let's go to Genesis 3.15 and hear what Moses recorded for us there. And if you still remember, in Genesis 3, God came and he pronounced curses on Adam and on Eve and on the devil. And on the devil, he says, Genesis 3.15, And I'll put enmity between you, the devil, and the woman, and between your seed and her seed. He shall bruise you on the head, and you shall bruise him on the heel. Pay attention. It's between your seed and her seed and not her seeds. So the seed is singular, not plural. And Christ is the seed of the woman. So that's the enmity that is going to be now played out between Christ and the devil. The devil knows he has to get someone, but thinks it was Peter because of Peter's problem with foot and mouth disease. If you still remember, the devil had come to Jesus and asked for permission to sift Peter like wheat because he could not get to Peter without permission from Jesus. So you see that Jesus is in total control of all things. And Jesus did not say to the devil, no, you can't touch him. Jesus said, well, you will have him, but Peter, listen to this. I have prayed for you that when you have been sifted, your faith fails not. But it was not to be Peter. It was not to be Peter who was going to be given over to the devil. But Judas Iscariot, the son of perdition, that the scriptures may be fulfilled. And Jesus commands both Judas and the devil who had just entered him and said, What you do, do it quickly. And that means Jesus is in control of both the schedule and the devil and Judas. The schedule has to be maintained for at 3 p.m., the ninth hour, the time at which the Passover lamb was to be killed, Jesus also has to die. And so God has been moving the Jews left, right, and center and ratcheting up their hatred of Jesus so that they may put him on the cross. Jesus so gets on their nerves by this time that they are so enraged by him. They so hate him. 
and they have been seeking for an opportunity to kill him. And finally, they found a willing partner in the person of Judas Iscariot. And so Judas, if you still remember, had gone to the high priest and the elders and he had connived with them that they pay him 30 pieces of silver that he may betray the Lord to them. And so Judas having been paid, he had to deliver the goods to the chief priest and so he came and betrayed the Lord with a kiss in the garden of Gethsemane. And the Lord has been agonizing over his death and has been praying hard and his sweat was like drops of blood. He was in anguish and much sorrow. The man of sorrows according to Isaiah. And Mark records and says in Mark 14 verses 34 to 36. Mark says, And he said to them, Thus the Lord, My soul is deeply grieved to the point of death. Remain here and keep watch. And he went a little beyond them and fell to the ground and began to pray that if it were possible, the hour might pass him by. And he was saying, Abba, Father, all things are possible for you. Remove this cup from me, yet not what I will, but what you will. Jesus, the sinless Son of God, prays in much agony that the cup of God's wrath be removed from him if it were possible. If it were possible. And yet sinners do not even pray that because they are not afraid of who God is. Jesus was not afraid of the Jews or the Romans. Jesus was not afraid of lions or black members or hyenas. Jesus was agonizing over what the father was about to do to him. And so he asks if it were possible for the cup of God's wrath to be removed from him. But that was not the father's will. Why? Because there's no other way, there's no other law, no other principle or name given under heaven by which Salvation can come, but by the name and death of Jesus. There is no other way of righteousness that does not come from the nail-scarred hands and feet of Jesus. The nail-scarred hands and feet did not make salvation possible. Hear me again. The nail-scarred hands of Jesus and his nails cut feet did not make salvation possible. Jesus did not sweat blood and tears to make salvation possible. Salvation cannot be made possible. It is either fully accomplished or it is not there. Salvation is not like jumping a car where you use some jumper cables you start the car and you then disconnect the jumper cables. Salvation is not a work where Jesus comes and boosts your battery that is dying. Salvation 
is either 100% performed by Christ alone or it is left 100% undone. And so the Lord has been handed over to the chief priests and elders who had overnight brought him to Caiaphas, the high priest. Jesus is charged with blasphemy because he had claimed to be the son of God. And they understood that claim to mean that Jesus was claiming to be God. And because of that, he had to be put to death. He was charged, as I said, with the sin of blasphemy. And since the trial had taken place, and since the trial had taken place at night, the chief priests and the elders reconvened another court session in the morning so as to uphold the sentence of death. They were not supposed to have tried Jesus at night, so they get up in the morning and tried to legitimize the sentence that they already had arrived at and pronounced on Jesus. But the Jews could not kill Jesus by themselves. The Jews were under Roman rule and occupation, and Pilate was over them as the governor. He was the governor of Judea and Samaria. And so they took Jesus to Pilate because Rome had the power of the sword. And so Pilate has to figure out what is going on between Jesus and the Jews. And God was just so lucky that Pilate so happened to be in Jerusalem right at the time that Pilate was supposed to deal with the matters relating to putting Jesus on the cross. And the Jews are so itching to put Jesus to death. They are so blinded by their hatred of Jesus. And so, that was introduction. Now we go to our text. Matthew 27, verse 11. Matthew records and says, Now Jesus stood before the governor, and the governor questioned him, saying, Are you the king of the Jews? And Jesus said to him, It is as you say. And while he was being accused by the chief priests and elders, he did not answer. Then Pilate said to him, Do you not hear how many things they testify against you? And he did not answer him with regard to even a single charge. So the governor was quite amazed. The Lord did not answer, not a single charge. Why? So as to fulfill what Isaiah had prophesied in Isaiah 53 verse 7. And this is what Isaiah said of Christ. He was oppressed and he was afflicted, yet he did not open his mouth. Like a lamb that is led to slaughter and like a sheep that is silent before its shearers, so he did not open his mouth. The Jews, Pilate, Herod, and all these people were like the shearers 
sharing the Lamb of God, the Son of God. And the Lord did not answer any of the charges because he had already accepted to be condemned on our behalf. The cup could not be removed from him. Jesus, if he wanted to, could very easily have defended himself. He was not a victim of the Jews. He was not a victim of Herod or Pilate. Jesus was not a victim of the nails. Jesus was not a victim of the cross. Jesus was not being abused on the cross. He said he has this commandment from his father to put down his life of his own accord and to take it up back again. All these people had no power over him except that which was given them from above. That's what the Lord said to Pilate. Let's listen to Matthew 27 verses 15 to 17. Now, at the feast, the governor was accustomed to release for the people any one prisoner whom they wanted. At that time, they were holding a notorious prisoner called Barabbas. So when the people gathered together, Pilate said to them, Whom do you want me to release for you? Barabbas or Jesus who is called Christ. And John, Apostle John, corroborates this testimony and says in John 18 verse 39, John says, But you have a custom, and this is Pilate speaking, but you have a custom that I release someone for you at the Passover. Do you wish then that I release for you the king of the Jews? Mind you, if you are reading, depending on your translation, some translations don't have verse 15 of Matthew 27. It's missing because those who know better than me claim that that part of the verse is missing in many of the manuscripts. But as far as I am concerned, it does not really change the theology of the story at all. But if it was true, and I'm going to lean on the side that it is true, but if it was true, we see God's absolute sovereignty over pagan rulers that he caused them to adopt a practice that he wanted to use in the preaching of the gospel of his son because all things are for the purpose of Christ. There are servants to the glory of Christ. But Pilate had in custody a notorious prisoner by the name of Barabbas. And let's look at the profile of Barabbas. Let's look at the resume or the Facebook profile of Barabbas. If Barabbas was on Facebook in our time, this is what he would have. Let's hear from Mark 15, verses 6 and 7. Mark says, Now at the feast, he used to release for them any one prisoner whom they requested. The man named Barabbas had been imprisoned with the insurrectionists who had committed murder in the insurrection. So Barabbas had committed murder in an uprising. He was 
a notorious freedom fighter who was fighting for freedom of the Jews. But in the process, he had committed murder. But listen also to John 18.40. John says, So they cried out, saying, Not this man, but Barabbas. Now, Barabbas was a robber. Barabbas was a robber. So you see now, Barabbas was guilty of causing an uprising, causing rebellion, causing alarm and despondency. Barabbas is imprisoned for murder. Barabbas is also a thief. But Pilate determined from talking to Jesus, Pilate determined that Jesus was innocent, but he lacked the commitment, the commitment to do justice. And so he could not carry out his convictions. He was, I would say, a very pragmatic politician. And so he found himself having to make a political decision so as to appease the masses. He could, if he wanted, very easily run for Senate or Congress in our time and would have been in very much good company. And so Barabbas finds himself in Roman custody and Pilate plays his cards and says in verse 17 and 18 of Matthew 27, so when the people gathered together, Pilate said to them, Whom do you want me to release for you, Barabbas or Jesus, who is called Christ? For he knew that because of envy they had handed him over. Pilate wants the people to decide for themselves so that he could wash his hands, absolve himself of the guilt of putting Jesus to death. So he wants the people to be responsible alone for putting Jesus to death. And so in verse 19, we hear this. But while he was sitting on the judgment seat, his wife sent him a message saying, Have nothing to do with that righteous man. For last night I suffered greatly in a dream because of him. Miss Pilate, looking very pretty, on this very important day, in her royal attire, as the first lady, she's the first lady, she is looking so pretty. On the previous night, she had nightmares about Jesus. And so she came and gave her testimony to her husband that Jesus was a righteous man. And she also, Judas Iscariot, just before he died, had also given testimony that Jesus was innocent blood. And Pilate is also going to wash off his hands in testimony that he saw nothing wrong with Jesus. That Jesus was an innocent man. And that gives us testimony of the righteousness of Christ. So we have testimony of the 
the righteousness of Christ and we have testimony of who Barabbas is. And those testimonies are exact polar opposites of one another. And so Jesus is a righteous man. And this is the testimony that God gives of his son before he goes on the cross. The son of God is not going on the cross because of his sin. The son of God is going on the cross because of the sins of his people. Verse 20. But the chief priests and the elders persuaded the crowds to ask for Barabbas and to put Jesus to death. So the chief priests were so determined to get rid of Jesus. And at this point, they only have one option to get rid of Jesus. And it is by killing him, putting him to death. Because Jesus was making them look bad. But not only that, Jesus also was killing their business. They were making a very profitable existence from the positions that they had. But the governor said to them, verse 21, which of the two do you want me to release for you? So Pilate said to the people, which of the two do you want me to release for you? And they said, Barabbas, which of the two? Only one of them could be set free, not both of them. And so Pilate, the governor, asked them again, which of the two do you want me to release, to set free to you, for you, on this Passover day? And all the people said Barabbas. And so Barabbas it was, and so Barabbas had to go. Barabbas had to be set free. Verse 22, Pilate said to them, Then what shall I do with Jesus who is called Christ? What shall I do with this Jesus who is called Christ? Since you said you want Barabbas, can you advise me on what to do with this one who is called Jesus? They all said, crucify him, crucify him. Verse 23, and he said, why, what evil has he done? But they kept shouting all the more, saying, crucify him. Yes, what evil has he done? He is an innocent man. But they shout all the more, saying, crucify him. And that, friends, is the reason why the Jews could not stone Jesus. The Jews could not stone Jesus. Jesus was not to die the death of being stoned. By God's arrangement, they had to bring Pilate into the mix. They had to bring Rome into the mix. Because the Son of Man has to be lifted up like the bronze serpent, as he said in John 3, 14, 15. Just as Moses lifted up the bronze serpent in the wilderness, so shall the Son of Man be lifted up. That 
whosoever looks to him may be saved. The son of man, he has to be raised up in this wilderness, in this wilderness of sin, that he may save all those who look to him. And so crucifixion was a Roman practice of dispensing justice. Crucifixion was not a Jewish practice. The Jews stoned to death. They did not crucify. Remember Stephen. Stephen was stoned for blasphemy because he claimed to see the heavens open and seeing Jesus. And so Jesus had to be crucified and so God dragged Rome into the proceedings of his son. Because as it is written, cursed is everyone who is hung on a tree. If condemnation, if condemnation came by the eating of the fruit that was hanging on a tree, then salvation also has to come through the eating of this other fruit, this bread from heaven that was to be hanged on another tree on Mount Calvary. Remember, Adam is a type of the one who was to come. Condemnation from this tree, from this fruit of the tree in the garden, bringing death, sin, condemnation. And if that has to be reversed, it has to come also by another man who has to be hung on another tree to bring justification. And so Rome was the nation that had the system of hanging victims on trees and so God raised Rome for this very purpose. God raised Rome not to bring all the literature and all the other things that we have had of civilization from Rome, but for the sole purpose that his son may be crucified. And this was all in God's sovereignty. It is the tree of shame that has the offense for both the Jew and the Gentile. The cross has to be an offense to both the Jew and the Gentile because the cross shows weakness to the Gentile. Only criminals, criminals, lowly criminals, Lowly criminals, especially non-Roman citizens, were put on the cross. And for Jews, if one was to be put on the cross, that was shame. That was to say he had been abandoned of God. That he had been cursed and they did not see any hope in one who had been put on the cross. And the Gentiles either did not see any hope in one who had been put on the cross because the cross is foolishness but it is the wisdom of God and the power of God unto salvation to everyone who believes to the Jew first and saw the Gentile. Verse 24 
when Pilate saw that he was accomplishing nothing, but rather that a riot was starting, he took water and washed his hands in front of the crowd saying, I am innocent of this man's blood. See to that yourselves. And so Pilate delivered the Lord Jesus to be crucified, having found no guilt in him. Now we go to the gospel. <laughs> yeah, we have not yet started talking about the gospel. Now we go to the gospel from this story. The gospel of free grace, sovereign grace, accomplished salvation in Christ is a scandal and many are tripping over it because it is a scandalous affair. And many people claim that the thief on the cross did not know much about Jesus or the gospel. And so they say, it doesn't really matter what you do not know about Jesus or it doesn't really matter if you don't really believe truly on who Christ is. But the truth of the revelation of scripture is that it matters what you know and say about Jesus. Jesus said, who do men say that the son of man is and then he went on to ask and say who do you say that i am so ultimately it matters what we say jesus christ is in salvation but we have to say it is not what we know that saves we are not saved the work of atonement is not in our knowledge of christ the work of atonement is in the knowledge of Christ. Christ himself is our wisdom. And Isaiah 53 says, By his knowledge my righteous one shall justify the many. So ultimately we are not saved by what we know. The merit of salvation does not come from what we know. But when we belong to Christ, when we have been born of God, we bring the true testimony of who Christ is and what he accomplished. And even more importantly, what matters is, were you in the one who is salvation when he died? Were you in Christ? Were you chosen of God and put in Christ when he died on the cross. The thief on the cross is not a story of how God saves sinners with very little knowledge. And that has been the majority of the understanding that the thief on the cross knew very little about Jesus. But that is not what the story is about. This story is a story that shows that God saves sinners anytime that he likes. The story of the thief on the cross and his testimony and the testimony of Christ is not to say God saves sinners who know a little bit about Christ, that's not the point. 
The point is that God saves sinners anytime that he likes because the sufficiency of salvation is not in their seniority of when they came to know Christ. The sufficiency of salvation is not in one person's seniority or the time that they came to Christ. The sufficiency of salvation is not in the person. The story of the thief on the cross is God's testimony to say the sufficiency of salvation is not in the person. The thief on the cross is about the sufficiency of Christ to redeem his own people. To redeem someone, to redeem a sinner, to redeem a man who could not even get off the cross to write a check for a love offering. This was teaching the sufficiency of Christ to redeem a man who could not take himself off the cross to get baptized. It is about the sufficiency of Christ in salvation in the face of human inability. The thief being hung on the cross was the ultimate picture of human inability to help in their own salvation in the face of death. But the thief on the cross knew a lot of theology. He knew a lot of theology as a matter of fact, the majority of which is denied by many professing Christians. The thief knew that Jesus was the king of the Jews. This was posted. He knew that he, the thief, was righteously condemned. He gave that testimony that he was righteously condemned. He knew that Jesus was innocent. He gave that testimony. He feared God and that means he was born again for no man fears God who is not born again. The thief on the cross knew that Jesus had a kingdom and that means he was the king of that kingdom. The thief knew that Jesus had a kingdom and that Jesus was the king of that kingdom. And if Jesus was the king of that kingdom and he had a kingdom and Jesus was about to die, the thief on the cross knew Jesus was going to die and resurrect so as to receive his kingdom. The thief on the cross believed in the resurrection of Christ. And that is why he asked for Jesus to remember him. He could not be remembered by one who was going to stay dead. The thief on the cross knew that he was righteously condemned and even with that he realized that his own death was not sufficient to redeem him. He saw that his own death, even on the same cross as Jesus, was a different kind of death. It was the death of a sinner that could not redeem from sin. And so he looked to Jesus 
for his remembrance. And he says, Jesus, you remember me. You remember me because my own death is insufficient to redeem myself unless you remember me because you are a righteous man and your death is different from mine. Your death redeems sinners like me and your death is sufficient for me. And I want to rest not in my own death for the payment of my own sins, but in your own death, Jesus. And because of that, may you remember me when you get into your kingdom. So what was he talking about when he was saying, remember me? He was not saying, Jesus, remember to send me a postcard. Here is my address, Jesus. And here is my zip code. Jesus, here is my Gmail account. By asking Jesus to remember him, he was saying, Jesus, have mercy on me. He was saying the same thing as the leper who said to Jesus, Lord, if you are willing, you can make me clean. Lord, if you are willing, you can make me clean. That was asking for grace. The man was appealing to the grace of God in salvation. And that was the same testimony that was given by the publican, the tax collector, who said, who beat his chest and said, Lord, be merciful to me, a sinner. Be propitious to me, a sinner. The thief on the cross was asking for forgiveness of sins. So the thief on the cross knew a lot about the gospel because God was teaching him as he was dying. And so the scandal of the gospel is not really found in the thief on the cross. The scandal of the gospel is found in Barabbas. Let us look at Barabbas again. Barabbas was a robber, a notorious rebel and murderer. He was the ringleader of the gang that had caused commotion in the city and killed people. And so he was chained in prison. When you get chained in prison, it means you are really a bad criminal. But what is that saying in the understanding of the gospel? That is saying that Barabbas was condemned by the law. He was in chains and he could not unchain himself. It is the law that put Barabbas in chains. Barabbas together with his compatriots were on death row and had the orange jumpsuit on. Barabbas was the most notorious of the prisoners. And so the law demanded the death of Barabbas. But for some reason, Barabbas does not die. Barabbas did not at this time even attempt jailbreak, prison break. Barabbas does not die not because he had some good political connections who worked some 
backdoor deals for him. Barabbas cannot pay for bail, not for murder. But for some reason, Barabbas' chains came loose and he was set free. And when Barabbas was set free, he was not put on parole. And if you know anything about parole, this is when the sentence of one who has been imprisoned is not completed. It's not completed on the promise of good behavior. And so the person is set free temporarily. And if they commit some other crime within a particular period of time, then they have to come back and finish their sentence. But we don't see any of these conditions on Barabbas. Because if good behavior is a condition of release for Barabbas, Barabbas cannot get out because he is Barabbas. Because of what he has already done. But for some reason, Barabbas gets out. For some reason, Barabbas gets out. Good behavior and Barabbas do not go in the same sentence. There is no parole for one like Barabbas. There is only maximum prison for one like Barabbas. But the people wanted him to be set free. They did not want Jesus to escape. But Barabbas just does not get free. Someone else has to stand in his place if he has to be set free. Someone who is not guilty, someone who is innocent blood, someone who is a just and righteous man, give us Barabbas, not this man. And Pilate says, what shall I do with this man called Jesus the Christ? And the people said, crucify him, crucify him. They shouted, not this man, give us Barabbas. If Barabbas has to be set free, this man called Jesus the Christ, the Messiah, has to step in. He has to be crucified. He has to be given over to death. He has to die. And that, my friends, is substitutionary atonement. And that's the gospel. You see that Jesus did not get into custody to be chained together with the other rebels in place of Barabbas. That is not how Barabbas was to be set free by putting chains on Jesus. Jesus has to go beyond the chains of Barabbas. He has to give his life for the life of Barabbas. And Barabbas did not ask if it was okay for Jesus to stand in his place. Barabbas could not ask Jesus to be his Lord and Savior. And Jesus did not ask Barabbas either if it was okay for him to take his place. Barabbas just found himself free without his consent. God never consulted anyone to see if they wanted to be set free. God has never asked men of their opinion about salvation. So then we have to ask the question, 
who set Barabbas free? Why is it Pilate, the Jews, or Jesus? It was not Pilate, and that's good news for you. Because if it is Pilate who set Barabbas free, there's no hope for you. And praise the Lord that it was not the Jews who set Barabbas free. Because there would not be any hope for you either. The one who stood in the place of Barabbas is he who set him free because his name is Jesus Christ, the Messiah. Jesus Christ is he who set Barabbas free without Barabbas choosing Jesus, walking the aisle, inviting or making Jesus Lord and Savior. And the modern church would object and say, but Barabbas was not saved. And they will bring their evidence to show that Barabbas was not saved. Barabbas did not have any giving record in the church. Barabbas did not have any signs of repentance. Barabbas did not show any faith in Christ. Barabbas did not attend their Sunday school class and was not baptized and was not a member in good standing. Barabbas did not go to do community service. And this is what the church is saying. Why? Because they are stumbling at the gospel. They are stumbling because they think salvation is in Barabbas. They think salvation is in what Barabbas does and not what his substitute did for him. Hear me, someone. The question that we have to ask is, was Jesus enough for Barabbas to be set free? Because if Jesus was enough for Barabbas, then we have some good news for sinners like you and me. And let me ask that question again. Was Jesus enough to get this notorious prisoner and murderer free? You see, if Jesus was not enough for Barabbas, then Jesus was not enough for you or anyone. And the majority of professing Christians would object and say, no, but, 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 but. What they are saying is that Jesus was not enough in standing for Barabbas. Therefore, he is not enough for them. And if Jesus is not enough for them, they get back on the treadmill of works to try and complete that which Christ began. They will say Barabbas needed to do more, and so they begin to add more things to the list of the things that Barabbas should do or should have done to be saved. Stop sinning, Barabbas. Stop drinking, Barabbas. Stop hanging out with the pretty girls, Barabbas. If that was his thing. Because they do not understand that Christ alone is sufficient for Barabbas to be set free. Pilate, by God's providence and sovereignty, understood that Jesus was enough to set Barabbas free. And so he set Barabbas free. The Jews in their ignorance 
understood that Jesus was enough for Barabbas to be set free. And so they said, not this man give us Barabbas. You keep Jesus, you give us Barabbas. Set Barabbas free. And so they got Barabbas. But Christians say, no, Jesus was not enough. No, Jesus was not enough unless Barabbas came and joined their church and came to their midweek service. And many who shall hear this message may get offended because they don't know who Barabbas is. They think Barabbas is some notorious prisoner person somewhere, some sex offender who is on some offender list. They think that this Barabbas is a person who does not live in their neighborhood and is not even in their own house. What they do not know is that they are Barabbas. Brothers and sisters, if you are willing to receive it, you are Barabbas. You are the one who was in chains under condemnation. You are the ones who were guilty of murder and of stealing and of causing an uprising against God. You said we will not let this man to rule over us. But see this. If you are Barabbas, then there's hope for Barabbas. There's hope for anyone like Barabbas. Jesus set you free not because you chose him or you repented, but because he was pleased to stand in your place as your surety. And Jesus stood for Barabbas as his surety, and Jesus was enough to guarantee the salvation of Barabbas. The law condemned you and I as sinners, as murderers, And if Jesus did not show up, you and I were destined to die without any hope. So to the question again, how did Jesus set Barabbas free? Jesus set Barabbas free by becoming guilty of Barabbas' sin. He became guilty of Barabbas' sin. How? By imputation. Remember the testimony that was given of Jesus, that he was an innocent man, a righteous man. And so Jesus could only be found guilty by imputation. That is, if the sin of Barabbas was reckoned or charged to him. Jesus did not murder anyone. Jesus did not cause an insurrection. And Jesus did not steal anything. And yet he died the death for which Barabbas was supposed to die. And if Jesus died because of imputation of sin, Barabbas was set free how? Barabbas was set free not because of anything that he did. Barabbas was set free by the imputation of righteousness. Whose righteousness? Not the righteousness of Pilate. Not the righteousness of the high priest. Not the righteousness of the Jews. 
but the righteousness of the one who stood for him and in his place. Yes, Barabbas, this murderer, walked free on that day uncondemned. That is, justified. Barabbas, this murderer, walked free. Why? Because he was elect. Barabbas was elect. He was chained to the other robbers. And yet it was he who was picked out to be set free by Jesus. There's no other way that Barabbas could have stood there and have Christ come and stand in his place outside election. Barabbas was elect. See that he was chained to the other inmates, as I said, and yet he alone was set free. That is the election. And Barabbas, in his chains, in the dungeon of the prison, he is thinking to himself, O wretched man that I am, who shall deliver me from this body of death? Barabbas needs someone to deliver him. Barabbas needs someone to come to deliver him. No good works for Barabbas. Too late for good works for Barabbas. It's too late for good works for you. No community service for Barabbas. No community service for you. Barabbas needs a who person to deliver him. A who person who is innocent, holy, undefiled, and separate from sinners. And this who person can only be found in Christ Jesus. And only if Christ Jesus shows up for Barabbas. For there's none who can go to Jesus. Jesus has to show up exactly where Barabbas was. At his place of condemnation. In his jail cell. And set him free. So why was Barabbas set free? Because he found his own who person in the person of Jesus Christ. Not in the person of Mary. Not in the person of Joseph. Not in the person of the Pope. Not in the person of the Dalai Lama. Why was Barabbas set free? Because there is therefore... Now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Barabbas is in Christ Jesus by election according to grace. Because that's the only way that a sinner like Barabbas, a murderer like Barabbas can find themselves in Christ. That is the only way that this one can be pronounced as righteous. For the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus has set you free from the law of sin and of death. And that is coming from Romans 8 verse 1 to 4. The law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus set Barabbas free from the law of sin and death. That condemned him and that had put him in chains. 
The law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus is what sets a sinner free. Not the law of sin and death. People don't understand this. They want to put us under the law of sin and death. And say we have given you a gospel that saves. The law of sin and death can only keep me who is like Barabbas under the chains of death. Why? Because the law could not do something for me. Romans 8.3 says, For what the law could not do, weak as it was through the flesh, the law could not do something for Barabbas. And that means the law could not do anything for you because you were chained with Barabbas. The law could not set Barabbas free from death and that was the weakness of the law and it is still the weakness of the law for Barabbas and for you and I. The law can only condemn unless God does something, unless God does something for Barabbas. And this is what God has done for Barabbas. And I pray that is what God has done for you by sending his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh. And as an offering for sin, he condemned sin in the flesh. Did God not send his own son in the likeness of sinful Barabbas as an offering for sin? And did he not, Jesus, condemn sin in the flesh on behalf of Barabbas? Jesus was sent by God for Barabbas. Why? So that the requirement of the law might be fulfilled in us. The requirement of the law had to be fulfilled in us, but by Christ. The law required perfect obedience. The law required our death. The law required a death that Barabbas could not die, just as the thief on the cross could not die to redeem himself. What the law required could only be fulfilled in the death of Christ. And that is why they cried out the more and said, crucify him, crucify him. And if it was fulfilled for Barabbas, Barabbas had to be set free. Because God is not looking at Barabbas. God is looking at Jesus. God has put Barabbas in Jesus and so God looks at Jesus before he looks at Barabbas. And when God looks at Barabbas in Jesus, he finds Barabbas in perfect conformity to his law. And that is the scandal of the gospel. And that is why Barabbas was set free. Barabbas was not looking for Jesus. Barabbas did not say, oh, well, my life sucks right now. I am going to cause commotion. I am going to cause disturbance in the city. I am going to steal some things that Jesus may come and get me. Barabbas was not looking for Jesus. 
Barabbas did not know who Jesus was. Barabbas did not acknowledge Jesus. Barabbas did not profess Jesus. And yet in all this, Jesus set him free. Because that's what grace does. Grace comes and looks for those who are not looking for it. And set them free. Grace knows where all those who belong to Christ are. And so it comes. And it stands in their place. And it sets them free. How can one not be set free when Jesus has taken their place? And a lot of people, the professing church people, will not understand this because they do not understand the transaction of the gospel. They do not understand how the gospel actually works and why it is called the gospel. People have not understood the gospel and they have not believed the true gospel of God's free and sovereign grace. Because when we put conditions on Barabbas for salvation, then we are not understanding the gospel of grace. Salvation is conditioned not on Barabbas, but on the one who stood in his place. And so if we have to look at the transaction of the gospel, if we have to look at the hope of the gospel, we have to look at the qualifications of the one who stood in the place of Barabbas. And the one who stood for Barabbas was not Muhammad, it was not Gandhi, it was not Buddha. Who stood in the place of Barabbas? It was Jesus Christ. And if Jesus stood for Barabbas, Barabbas was complete in him because Jesus is all and in all. So you see that the thief on the cross had a lot of theology and Barabbas had none. Barabbas knew nothing and yet he had the testimony of righteousness because God set him free. And in time, the Lord came to Barabbas. Barabbas may have been one of those who were at Pentecost, the 3,000. Why could Barabbas not be saved when he had Christ standing for him. Our response to the gospel is not the gospel. The gospel is Christ standing for us. Our response to the gospel is what God is doing to bring us to the reality and the knowledge that Christ stood for us. Let us look at some other detail about Barabbas and it is in the name of Barabbas. Bar means the son of like Simon son of Jonah. Simon by Jonah. And Abba means father. And Barabbas means the son of the fathers. And so when Jesus stood in the place of Barabbas who was set free the son of the fathers you and I were set free because he who the Son of Man sets free is free indeed. 
and the setting free of Barabbas, even as was the custom as we had happened on the Passover. Because the Lord set his people free from captivity, from slavery in Egypt by the blood of the Lamb. And that Lamb was called the Passover Lamb. By the blood of the Lamb that he commanded, the blood of the Lamb that he could see in the thickness of the night, the night that was so dark that Moses said the darkness could be felt. And yet God still could see the blood of the lamb that was on the door lentils. And the people of God were set free by God himself through the rod that Moses had. Moses came to the Red Sea and he struck the water with the rod and the Red Sea was parted. And that was salvation. And, and, and so the the rod of Moses was a representation of the striking of the law as we saw Moses' rod again striking the rock and water coming out. And so it is this rod, this law that struck Christ and set the people of God free. And so Galatians 3 verse 13, Apostle Paul would record and say, Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law, having become a curse for us. For it is written, cursed is everyone who hangs on a tree. And so it was customary to set free one person on this Passover day. And so all those who were in Christ were set free when the rod of Moses, the law, struck the Son of God, this Passover lamp, on this Passover day. And so all the people, verse 25, said, His blood shall be on us and on our children. In anger, the people say, Let his blood be upon us and our children. In rage and hatred of Jesus, they want to take the guilt of putting the Lord to death upon themselves, even upon their children. But hear this. God is giving them the testimony of the gospel to preach the gospel to say their only hope was if they had the blood of this Passover lamb, Jesus Christ, on them to cover them and their sins as their only righteousness. That was their only hope for salvation. They needed to be covered by the blood of the Lamb. This was a cry of desperation for salvation and mercy. Let his blood be upon us and our children. It was the only hope of salvation. If God covered them freely, it was the only hope of salvation if God covered them freely by the blood of his Son. And that too, my friends, is your only hope of salvation, you and your children. For his blood to be upon you, the blood that he sees, the blood that justifies, the blood that takes away your sin. 
because this blood was shed for the remission, the cancellation of sins. There's no more sin debt because it all was on him. And so what happened after all this had happened, verse 26, then he released, that is Pilate, released Barabbas for them. But after having Jesus caged, he handed him over to be crucified. So it was not enough for Jesus to be scaged. We were not saved by the scaging of Jesus. We were saved by the death of Christ. And if the scaging and the crucifixion happened, then Barabbas has to be set free. And so all those who are of the nature of Barabbas, like you and I, were also set free. We are a soul saved now as we will ever be in all of eternity. So when Barabbas was set free, you and I were also set free because Jesus entered into our place. And that's unbelievable stuff that a murderer would be set free. But that is the gospel of grace. And that is why it is a scandal. The gospel is such a scandal because all that is required of salvation is not met in Barabbas. It is not met in you. It is not met in your running or your effort. It is not met in your cries. It's not met in your introspection. Salvation in all its terms are met, is met in the surety. Jesus Christ, the only mediator between God and man and the covenant of his people. So we know that all things work together for good. Because it's God who causes all things to work out together for good. To those who love God, to those who are called according to his purpose. And Barabbas was called according to God's purpose. Not because he particularly loved God, but because God foreknew him. Because Romans 8 29 to 30 says, for those whom he foreknew. So Barabbas was foreknown of God, and that means he was elect and loved of God in Christ. And because of that, he also predestined to become conformed to the image of his son. Barabbas was predestined to be conformed to Christ so that he would be the firstborn among many brethren, and thus Christ being preeminent over all. And those whom he predestined, he also called. This Barabbas whom he predestined, he called. And so Barabbas, after he was set free, I'm sure he was called. <laughs> For the gifts and calling of God are without repentance. 
And these whom he called, he also justified. These whom he called, he also justified. And these whom he justified, he also glorified. Barabbas was foreknown, predestined, called, justified, and glorified in Christ Jesus. And that again, my friend, my friends, is the gospel. That is the scandal of the gospel. But that is the only hope for a sinner like you and I who found themselves like Barabbas in chains and guilty and condemned. Praise the Lord. Let us pray. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, we just praise you and we honor you for your Son, Jesus Christ, our Lord, for coming when we were not looking for him and standing in our place as he stood for Barabbas and setting us free from that which condemned us, our sin, setting us free from the law and giving us life, righteousness, justification. Lord, I thank you for your grace. May you bring this understanding to your people that they may know you, they may know your son and how glorious and faithful he is in the work that he accomplished on their behalf. I pray now in the name of Jesus. Amen.